0: We just pray that the amen, the yes, Lord would sound from your people from now until the time you return to get us. Uh, Lord, may we always be our mouths open, ready to give you praise. Lord, we just praise you for today uh, and for all that will be taking place, recognition of graduates and seeing new members and seeing baptisms and hearing your word uh, proclaimed and being able to give you praise today. Uh, Lord, help us just to participate in it all and may it all transform and affect our lives deeply. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning.
1: It's a blessing to greet you through baptismal waters. Uh, I don't have a robe on, I apologize. But the one I wear zips all the way up and down and it's not in there. I can't put one over my head because I'll mess my hair up. All right? So I decided, and the other ones were about this tall. So I would look kind of funny, but you may not have seen me, but that's all right. All right. After that's gone, isn't it a wonderful blessing? To start a service with a visible symbol of the gospel. We know what the Lord God does in our hearts through regeneration, making us alive. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. We also know the teaching of the book of Romans regarding baptism, that we have been buried in the likeness of our Lord, raised to walk in unison of life. Jade, young, has trusted Christ, haven't you, Jade? And put our faith in Jesus. And today, Ms. Jade wants to follow in believer's baptism. Jade, upon your profession of faith, coming to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's my privilege to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. For we are buried with Christ through baptism. We are raised to walk in unison of life. This is Miss Jan Kasky, and Miss Jan has been a believer for a long time and she contacted me a few about a month ago and said you know what I really feel that I need to get my baptism on the right side of my salvation and so many of us have gone through that in our lifetime and Miss Jan I sure appreciate your obedience to the Lord and following in believers baptism it's my privilege my sister to baptize you in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. For we are buried with Christ through baptism. We are raised to walk in unison of life. Amen. Amen.
0: Our uh, student pastor Jeffrey's got some uh, good news for us. Well, we think it's good news, right? It is. <laughs>
2: Well, good morning. We have some graduates here. They've spent a lot of time doing hard work in, um, you know, in school and in athletics and the different extracurricular activities, and they're about to go off in a new chapter of life. And we want them to know that as a church, we love them, we appreciate them, and that um, we're just going to take a couple, time, a couple minutes, recognize them, and then we're going to pray for them all together um, when we're done with this. So we're going to begin. Abby Beats is our first graduate, and here you go. There, a little book there and you can have a seat. Isabella Demera. Is our next. Well, stay up here, stay up here. You're in a, did I stay no, I said did I say have a seat? I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen to what I mean not what I say. I say that to my kids all the time. Sorry. Stay up here, please. All right, Ethan. Um we'll go Ethan Powell. Ethan Powell, good to see you. And then Elsie Wrightkirk. And then Andrea Schuford. Yes, Andreas Schufern. And then is Ethan Fast? All right. He was not able to make it here today, but we have these graduates here, and we're just going to take a moment and pray. And remember, as we pray, um, it's not just me praying, it's all of us praying for them um, at this time. So we're going to just ask God's blessing upon you. Let us pray as a church body for these graduates. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for today. And I thank you for each one of these graduates here that stand up. And Lord, they've worked hard. They have put a lot of effort in to going to school, going to their extracurricular activities. But, Lord, we pray right now that as they grow and they mature and they move to this next phase, this next chapter in their lives, I pray that they would heed the command of Christ to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I pray that they would love God with all their heart, their mind, their soul, their strength. I pray, that Lord, that they would put you above everything else in their lives. I pray that you would protect them, deliver them from... um, uh, temptation, and, and keep them from evil. Lord, I pray that you would protect them and give them, fill them with your spirit and fill them with your truth. Lord, that as the attacks that come upon their faith as they go into young adulthood, whether through friends or professors or bosses or coworkers, I pray that they would take up the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, all of the all of the armament that we've been talking about the last couple of months. I pray that they would take it up and they would go into this next chapter of their lives for you, for your glory, telling people about your wonderful love and kindness through Jesus Christ. May they be heralds of the gospel. We pray that pray for them and lift them up and hand them to you in in in, in your care. And it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Congratulations, guys. And if you're gonna be okay, give them a round of applause. Now you can go have a seat. Now you can be seated. And we would just like to remind you and invite you at four o'clock, we're going to have a reception, an open house in our commons area. So some of them will be setting up booths and tables if you want to know what they're doing with their lives and what their next plans are. We invite you to come from four o'clock to 515 and participate in that. Thank you. Thank you, brother.
0: Well, Jeffrey already mentioned, thank you for setting that up, by the way, the, uh, uh, armor of God, and uh, I hope you'll see the imagery in this next song we're going to sing. It talks about God, our defender, our shield, and uh, you'll you'll remember some of the Ephesians six passage in this one.
3: Oh God.
0: This one, it's uh, an old song called "For All the Saints." The original title was "For All Thy All God's Saints," written by an Anglican bishop uh, back in 1864. And this was written as uh, as a commentary to uh, the Apostles' Creed, the part that talks about the communion of saints. the the body of believers that we all share this faith together. And so let's sing it together. And you'll actually notice some spiritual warfare imagery in the verses as well. think about fighting as the saints of old fought. Uh, Lord, may we not think that uh, uh, these so-called super-Christians, Peter and Paul and the rest, had a fight that we don't have. We have that same fight. And Lord, help us to fight it with all valor, with all courage, and with the armor of God. And uh, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to give back to your kingdom today. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. I Mentioned the Apostles' Creed a while ago. This is part of it. Let's sing it together. Our Father
3: everlasting, be on creed.
0: the body of believers. I believe in life Life eternal. Eternal.
3: I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints' communion and in your holy church. I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again.
0: Philip comes and shares with us about Paul's prayer that uh, he can boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Let us remember that that's not just a prayer for the Apostle Paul. That's a prayer for every believer. Amen? That we would boldly open our mouths and proclaim this glorious mystery. God, we just come before you now, and as we break open the bread of life today, and as we listen to the word preached through our pastor, we just pray, Lord, that you would apply Hebrews to our lives just now, that the word would be a two-edged sword reaching deep into our spirit, changing our lives, doing spiritual surgery, Lord, that we would take to heart, that we would apply each and every precept of your word. Lord, that we would walk away from this place chiseled in a little bit more into the image of Jesus than when we came. And uh, Lord, again, help our prayer, just like the Apostle Paul's prayer, to be one that would say, Lord, I want to boldly proclaim to a lost and dying world this wondrous mystery of the gospel. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
1: Well, as we have been studying how prayer fits in to the armor of God, I think we need to be reminded that Satan attempts to circumvent, seeks to destroy every aspect of each and every piece of the armor when it comes to us putting it on. Would we not agree that if we're to put on these things, then the schemes of the devil uh, let's call him our cold, ruthless enemy is to keep you from equipping yourself with the armor that God has given us. Now with that being said, would you not think that he also wants to undermine the effectiveness of prayer? Every piece of the ar- any and every piece of the armor he's seeking to undermine its effectiveness and that's also true with prayer. So, Our enemy is also committed to keeping us off our knees. He's committed to do this. The devil is committed to keeping you out of or away from the throne of grace. Yet, it's very clear from our text that we're studying the importance of prayer in this warfare. Listen to the word of the Lord. I'm going to skip down and assume that you've memorized (laughs) chapter 6, 10 through 20. Listen to verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints. And also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Do you remember last week we talk about, talked about the fact that prayer is varied and intense. Warfare prayer is varied and intense. Paul, Paul, Paul is piling up words to help us think of the varied nature of prayer. It's not just our grocery list. That we throw out every day and say, well, I've prayed. It's a lot more than that. Prayer is varied in the sense that warfare prayer involves praise, thanksgiving, supplication, petition, and confession. It also should be intense prayer. It's not just rattling off our grocery list. To use an image that we might borrow from the Old Testament, it is wrestling with our God until daylight. So that he blesses us. It is grabbing hold of the horns of the altar of the Lord. So warfare prayer should be consistent also and continual. Not just varied and intense. But consistent and continual. Is the battle continual? Is the devil continually after us? Is he consistently on the prowl? Is he doing this frequently and often? And the answer to that question is yes. So therefore our praying should be continual and consistent frequent continual consistent we ended last week discussing warfare prayer as the Bible says in the beginning of verse 18 praying at all times in the Spirit we must consciously depend upon the Spirit of God as we engage ourselves in warfare prayer folks we need his help I hope you sense this this week I don't know why it's the case but so often I'll preach a sermon and after four or five days it's kind of discarded outside of my mind in that sense. And I'm moving on. has it been true this week. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, I've dwelt upon stand up, stand up for Jesus. Stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. You must not trust your own. Put on the gospel armor, put each piece on with prayer. As duty calls or danger, be never wanting there. It's kind of filled my heart and mind this week. So the Spirit of God alone actually knows your weaknesses in prayer according to Romans 8. We could spend lots of time in Romans 8, 26 through 28, thinking about the confidence that we have in prayer where we cry out, Abba, Father. In other words, folks, you belong there. We belong before the throne of grace. And it's only by Jesus and His blood that we have the merits to approach our Father. We approach Him with confidence. So to pray in the Spirit means that we pray as much of His Word as we possibly can. Certainly there's a link between the sword of the Spirit, which you take up, and praying in the Spirit. So we pray the Word of God. It's very important to do that. So the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. It's His inspired word, therefore the more of His words that we can pray back to our Father, the more effective our praying will be. I hope you've thought about what a massive privilege it is for us to be able to commune with our God in prayer. We meet with Him. You understand that Jesus is mediated in us through the Holy Spirit of God. And we are able to pray to the Lord God through the Spirit to the Father... He mediates the presence of Jesus, whether it's corporately in this body or whether it is individually in your prayer closet. We always use the phrase, well, that was a taste of heaven. I don't think anything is is as much a taste of heaven on earth as is engaging with our Lord in prayer, as we are engaging in warfare. So we all need to grow in the discipline of prayer. If you don't raise your hand now, I hope Your heart is raising a flag to say, yes, I certainly need more discipline in prayer. So, this morning, my desire is to give you two more uh, elements of warfare prayer. Okay? It's not in your notes. The major title here in the notes, major division, is praying. We put on prayer prayer it's what tie, I don't see that as a seventh piece of the armor I see you putting on every piece of the armor with prayer like the hymn says okay you ready warfare prayer is alert and persevering prayer do you see it to that end keep alert with all perseverance so warfare prayer is alert and persevering so there's a preposition that Uh, brings this together for us to that end in the grammar it's a purpose clause so Paul is with laser focus telling us why we need to stand firm praying in the spirit with all prayer and petition we must do this so that we can be watchful that's the word be alert this is not watching people at Walmart you ever people watch at Walmart you will never be the same If you do, it's not that when we consider the term watching, we may not think that that's too spectacular. Please consider the fact that this word watching combined with alertness, or as the ESV says keep alert, would have been an early Christian ethic that they lived and thought about. Why? It was based on the teachings of Christ. So, this is spectacular. To be watchful and on the alert. And I hope if you're a Bible student, your mind raced over. If nothing else, it raced over to Jesus' words to his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right? Where we'll see that in a few moments. But let me give you a short history lesson of this ethic of putting together words like watch and be alert. So take your copy of God's Word and turn over to Luke chapter 21 and verse 36. The Bible says in verse 36 of Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, But stay awake. I'm skipping the beginning in verse 34 for the sake of time. Be watchful, right? Verse 36 is our Greek word. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all the things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. That is Luke's treatment of it. Now flip over to your left and go to Mark's Gospel. Turn fast, listen fast, and we'll go fast. All right? Mark 13. Mark gives a much more broad treatment of bringing these two words of being awake and guarded. By the way, bring your Bible to church. Would you go to a ball game without a and play ball, baseball kids without a, without a glove? No. Well, you're going to play football without the pigskin? How do we expect to study God's Word if we're not looking at it? Right need to look at the Word. Mark chapter 13, beginning in verse 33. Listen. Be on guard. Here it is. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work. And he commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come. In the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning. Lest... He comes suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Chapter 14, verse 34. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on his face and began to pray. Verse 37, skip down. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray so that you may not enter into temptation. All right. Here's the ethic. The first set of scriptures is talking about the second coming of Jesus. Folks, you need to be alert and awake. It's the imminence of Christ's return. He could come back at any moment. And he was reminding them in the context of his second coming, you need to be alert, be awake. And then he uses that same dynamic. Of bringing together watch and guard, stay on guard, with temptation. You see? That ethic is coming together in the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. So both of those contexts of coming, Christ coming or temptation, there's a watchfulness and alertness that is connected together with what? Prayer. How do you stay alert? How do you stay on guard? How do you remain in a watchful state? You do so by praying. Don't turn, but listen. When you get to Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, the Bible says, Continue steadfastly in prayer. That terminology is be devoted in prayer. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be vigilant, be watchful. For your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, prowls around to seek who he may devour. Listen, folks, because of the danger of the enemy. Because of the danger of temptation, we need to be people who are alert and watchful. And how do you do this? Well, the scripture would remind us that we do it through prayer. We need to be mindful and alert. You ever been sleepy when you're driving? Mm, They tell you you can crunch on ice. That actually helps. Or you can slap yourself in the face. Or you can get out and run around your car a few times. Have you read about these things? I don't have a tendency to do this, but my wife does. We were coming home once, and we were on 60, that long stretch. And she said, you want me to drive? And I said, sure. I was tired. So I kicked back for a minute, had my eyes closed, and about 10 minutes passed, and I looked over, and she was going. <laughs> I said, pull this car over right now, because she was not alert. I started shoving ice into her mouth. No, folks, I mean, we've heard of what military people that have to stay up all night might do certain things to, to keep them awake. But We as the people of God need to be awake and watchful. And then he adds persevering prayer. And that's that Colossians 4, 2, which he says devoted prayer. Now, is persevering prayer continual? Well, by nature, it has to be consistent and continual. But I want to remind you, it's not the same thing. Persevering prayer is more determined prayer. It, it's more focused upon what Jesus says in Luke 18.1. Pray at all times, not losing heart. It's persevering in prayer. It is persistent. It is consistent. It is continual. But it's determined prayer. We may say it like this. It's dogged prayer. It's prayer that nags God. It's that sense of continually seeking, continually knocking, continually asking, in persevering prayer. Parents, do you know what it's like to be nagged by your children? Dad, can I have this? We'll see about it. How much further? Well, a few more miles. Dad, how much further? Can I have this? Just wearing us out asking for requests does that make you tired and weary well absolutely I wanna remind you of something the father never disinvites us from nagging he never does that's why prayer needs to be persevering knocking continually seeking continually asking he invites us to nag him and he delights in it obviously if you're praying things that are not in his will it's not helping you too much but he tells us to persevere persevere in prayer be on the alert And practice persevering prayer. I think that actually realizes what's at stake when we are persevering in prayer. We realize what's going on. We we think about the closeness of temptation. And I think persevering prayer is a product of understanding the darkness around you. But also the God who is sovereign. Persevering prayer. I hope you've moved close enough to the Lord and an understanding of theology to have confidence in God. That when you persevere in prayer, when you, let me say it this way, when you have a burden to pray, we forget about what a richness and blessing it is to be burdened to pray, whatever that may be. I remember the story that Kent Hughes tells in his commentary On Ephesians. About George Mueller. If you've ever read about him. He started the Ashley Down Orphanage in Bristol, England. Great evangelical Christian man. Was connected with the Plymouth Brethren. And what we know about him. Is the fact that he had the conviction. That God actually put into you. What he would have you to pray. Through his Holy Spirit. Much like Romans 8. 26 through 28. And so George Mueller says the very fact that God lays a burden of prayer on our hearts keeps us or keeps our praying, prima facie, as evidence that the purposes, the purpose to grant the answer is on the way. That's interesting, isn't it? Mueller would go on to pray for two friends for 50 years for their conversion. And he was asked one time, Mueller, what do you think about the fact that you prayed for 50 years and didn't give up? He said, the way I see it is this. If God put that burden on my heart for 50 years, I knew full well that God's intent was to save those two people. And guess what happened? He saved both of them. Don't take lightly the burden to pray for someone or to pray for a thing or to pray for a person's salvation. If you're in tune with the Word of God, which is 99% of what the will of God already is, and you're in tune with the Spirit of God, God Almighty is going to convict you in the air of your prayer life, and you you can rest assured that you can persevere in prayer because you're praying the will of God. So we say... We need to be the kind of people that are constantly on the alert, yes. But we need to be engaged with persevering prayer. When the, day, when the evil day is upon us, there's nothing more important than staying alert, persevering in prayer. We need to say, Father, I need your strength. I need your help for the battle. I need you to help me employ the armor. Father, I need you to capture my heart in such a way that this world is crucified to me. Capture my heart and my affections. Does anyone else sense that we're living in an evil day? Get your head out of the sand and don't be an ostrich because, folks, it's an evil day. Lord, I need strength. Lord, I need to focus. Lord, direct my affections. Lord, bend my will. Lord, make me obey your word. Lord, help me not go the way of the world. I'm telling you, our enemy is ruthless. He's a liar. And he's trying to drag you away from the God to which you belong And the God to which you love. We look to our God in persevering prayer. God give me a fresh sense of your love for me. Right? We need this. Father lead me to the cross. We go back and forth between reading of the word. And we go back to praying. And this needs to be our lifestyle. This is the kind of prayer that we need to engage in. If we're going to stand. And here's what I know on the authority of the Bible. A prayerless Christian will not stand. Amen? Persevering prayer. So prayer, spiritual warfare prayer is to be alert and persevering. All right, number two, warfare, prayer, praise for the saints. Or if you're keeping track, this is number five. We just did three last week, right? Warfare, prayer, praise for the saints. Listen to the word. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. And this actually strengthens the clause or the purpose clause to this purpose making supplication for all the saints. If you want to hear the end of, if you want to hear verses 19 and 20, you have to come back tonight. I want to finish Ephesians in the month of May. So tonight is a preaching event. When the preacher preaches, the saints come and hear it, whether it's morning or evening. So, will we tape it? Our uh, audio? Yes. So you can cheat me and not come tonight, and it's okay. But 19 and 20 will be preached tonight, and then Lord willing, 21 through 24, after Mother's Day. And then I may do a recap on Ephesians on a Sunday night, but let's, let's hear this one. Pray for the saints. Do we need to pray for ourselves? Absolutely. But do we need to pray for the saints? Now... Do you find it interesting that it says all the saints? Do y'all know all the saints? Think about this. All the saints. The battle is just not simply with us. Are you against the principalities and powers? But, uh, but the saints. So we should pray for both. When one saint is wounded and falls, how many are affected? All of us. We are all engaged in this intense, fervent, persevering, watchful prayer that is not only to be on our own behalf but for the saints. So here Paul uses a very narrow word. See it? Making supplication. Whereas the first part was varied, praying through prayers and, and petition, this one's narrowed in and focused like a laser. It means intercession or entreaty for someone for a particular reason in other words there's a sense of need where we intercede on behalf of all the saints I love the example of this in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus chapter 17 the children of Israel are fighting against the Amalekites y'all know this story Moses is led by God to intercede for the people and he holds up his hands and he intercedes and as he's holding up his arms the battle is going the Israelites way but as he begins to droop his arms guess what happens Man, I'd be propping them suckers up with sticks and everything I could possibly do, right? And so, what do they do? We know the scripture tells us that Aaron and Hur come alongside of him and hold up his arms as he is interceding for the people. So, he's drooping. Battle turns. There's Aaron and Hur pulling beside, coming up beside him, alongside of him, holding up his arms. And the picture of this is intercession on behalf of the brethren. And Moses is interceding for the people. And as he is interceding, interceding, on behalf, interceding on behalf of the people his strength is waning. And the two other brothers come alongside as it were, stand in the gap with Moses' arms, holding him up so that once again the battle turns in the direction of the people. So Is this a good illustration? I think so. Of what intercession is, it's to hold up weary souls, figuratively speaking. It is to stand next to someone, it is to intercede, it is to entreat the Lord on behalf of someone. Again, it says for all the saints. Folks, I don't know what you thought about this, but this could be a long prayer. All the saints. This would be a place where wooden headed literalism could get you in trouble. You would never walk out of your house. You'd never leave your house if you prayed every day for all the saints by name across the world. So what is he meaning by this? Well, do we need to pray for the church corporately? Now think about that for a moment. Certainly he has in mind us praying globally for the body of Christ that exists around the world. Don't, I don't like the terminology of uh, invisible church. There's never been an invisible church. Wherever you are in the world, you're always visible if you're alive and you're a Christian. The better terminology would be universal or global church. Are we to pray for them? Yes. In other words, should we pray big, giant, sweeping prayers for the corporate body of believers all over the world? Yes, we should. We should do that. But we should also pray for the persecuted church at large. If you don't have a copy or you're not familiar with the voice of the martyrs, you need to get a copy of that. Just go through, peruse through, pick a person, pray for them. There are believers all over the world that are uh, suffering oppression, persecution, many being killed for the gospel of Christ. You're not going to see that on CNN. You're not going to see that on MSNBC. You probably will rarely ever see that on Fox News. They don't tell you about people dying for the cause of the gospel all over the world. Every single day, we need to pray for them. We can pray for missionary efforts throughout the world. It is biblical to pray big, sweeping prayers for God's glory on behalf of the church throughout the entire world. We should pray like this. We can also pray for local, specific bodies of believers. There are a lot of churches of like precious faith around here. For churches that are theologically in error, we should pray that God would help them read their Bibles. Help them understand what the truth of this. We can't let their wrongness be right for them. And sometimes we do that denominationally. We say, well, that's fine. You can just believe that. No. The Scripture says what it means and means what it says. So we have to study the Word of God. But we should pray for churches in our area that that may be enduring difficulty. We can pray for the whole body of saints in their trials in the opportunities God gives them to share the gospel and advance the gospel. We, we think about Selmore and Life Point and uh, Hopedale. We think about these churches around us. And we, as a body of believers, should be praying for them. We need to pray that God will help his church have unity and health. We're not the only church in Ozark. God help us with a competitive spirit. We, well, one up. we got to do this. Hope did this. we got to do this. We need to do what the Bible says. Amen. And we also need to remember that we're all on the same team if we're advancing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If a new work springs up and they believe the Bible and preach the scriptures, praise God. May they take the gospel to the ends of the earth. I'm responsible for the sheep that are in the seats at this church. And you are my sheep. I'm not responsible for no one else's sheep. Right, But I am responsible to God to pray for all the sheep. So, certainly Paul needs that we should pray for the local body. Not just globally, not just local, but the local body. We need to pray that God would make us a fruit-bearing church. We need to pray that God will bless us with unity. We need to pray that God will protect us from the wickedness and the snares of the enemy. We need to pray that the gospel would thrive and that the word of God would go forth unhindered. Read the book of Acts. That's how they prayed. When they prayed for boldness, the house was shaken. When they prayed for gospel advance, the house was shaken. We need to pray that our worship services will be God-glorifying, God-honoring. Pray that people will be built up, as the Scripture says, in their most holy faith. Pray that our people in general would learn to put on the armor of God and to stand and resist in the evil day. It certainly means that we should also pray for the saints by name, at the throne of grace. We don't know all the saints. But let me remind you. You know a lot of saints. You know a lot of saints here. You know, I want to remind you that the healthy need prayer too. I mean, I, I remember hearing a pastor say once. First time it ever stuck in my mind. We spend more time praying to keep saints out of heaven. Than we do for sinners to be saved. Shame on us. If we do that. Is it important to pray for Physical ailments and sickness and health, absolutely, it's biblical, and we should. But we need to pray also for important things, other important things, like spiritual growth, gospel advance, God help us be a healthy church. Physical needs are to be prayed for and should be. But why not pray for reconciliation? Even in this church, there are people at times, maybe even now, that are not reconciled. We need to pray for that. What about strong marriages? How about wise parenting? Whew. Lord help us. How about unconverted children that need to be saved? How about God exalting Christ-centered homes? We need to pray for one another. I will tell you the thing that encourages my heart more than anything you ever do for me is not to walk out and say, well, that was a nice sermon. That can mean a lot of things. Right. what encourages my heart more than anything is that, Pastor, I prayed for you this week. I prayed that you would keep on the helmet of salvation, that you would hold up the shield of faith. That means so much to me. So I say to you, don't forget to pray for me. Don't forget to pray for your elders and your deacons. The most significant thing you do is pray. Pray for my prayer life. Pray for your own Prayer life. We need to remember that we are in a war. Folks, don't miss this. We're in a war together. Please hear this from the Word of God. We need to be holding one another up. What would this local body look like if we began to multiply prayer warriors in this church? I want to remind you if you're saved, it is your responsibility, every child of God's responsibility, to pray for the saints. But I also believe. That some people are especially gifted by God in the area of intercessory prayer. And for some reason, God has given you extended amount of times in your life to do this. And you do it effectively before the throne of God. And we pray that God will increase that tribe. Right? And we will pray like that. We need to be able to look one another in the eye and say, I prayed for you. Now, this is often missing in the life of the church, isn't it? I called your name before the throne of grace. Do y'all think this place would be transformed if we had that kind of perseverance in prayer and that kind of supplication? Listen, for all the saints. Why do we need to do this? This warfare is critical. It's not a game. Christian life's not a playground. It's a battleground. This is real, okay? When was the last time, are you ready for this? When is the last time that you pray for anybody sitting in this room besides your spouse and your children? Now, I may not be hitting a nerve for everyone, but I guarantee you, I put this out there, if you're all 100% on board and you've been praying for everybody in this auditorium and all the believers here at FBCO, I apologize for that statement. Let me just put it in your ear not to stop. But for the rest of us, including me, When is the last time you prayed for someone other than your wife or your children? And you did it in persevering prayer. You did it continually. It's hard to hate. That's an oxymoron anyway as a believer. It's hard to be on the outs with someone if you prayed for them. I remember Brother Craig Snyder, who was our pastor. People were complaining about this, complaining about that, complaining about this. And I remember him saying, listen. How can you do this and complain all the time? Why don't you start praying that God would make your preacher the best preacher he can possibly be? Isn't that good? I mean, it's hard to complain about everything in the world when you're praying, which God calls us to do. So prayer for all the saints is crucial as we stand together. I want to tell you that Ephesians 6:18 is challenging to me. I hope it is to you. It's challenging as individuals. It's challenging corporately as a body. Here's the issue. Will we take warfare seriously enough to begin to employ the armor with prayer? Are y'all listening? Are we going to take it seriously enough? There's a danger in preaching the great text of the Bible and saying, Wow, I love the armor of God. That's good stuff. And then when I finish preaching, you're done. You don't ever go back to it. This warfare is not just going on while we're preaching about the warfare. Y'all listening? The battle is not simply going on while we're in Ephesians 6. The battle is going on night and day, 24-7, all the time, until you see Jesus in heaven. The danger is that we hear this, we look at this truth, and we say, whew, that's right, that's good, but then we move on. Will you and I take the warfare seriously enough to do something about it and do what Paul is asking us to do as we employ the armor of God with prayer? So, are we desperate enough to fight in prayer, according to Ephesians 6? Are we desperate enough to pray warfare prayers? Our seriousness, listen, and our desperation levels are not measured by how, what we say. They're measured by how we pray. You can say I'm serious, and you can say I've got a desper- desperation level, and you can say this, But I'm telling you, the real measuring thermometer, let's use that terminology, will be if we pray. Prayer is a thermometer that does not lie. Prayer shows the level of our seriousness, the level of our desperation as we fight the fight. Let's be desperate enough to fight this this warfare and start praying in a way that shows that we are really engaged in a war. Did you know that prayer is not entertaining? Prayer Prayer we would, we would not categorize as a whole lot of fun. I'm not trying to be mean. Please. But we come in here on Wednesday night to pray from 6 to 6.30. And I often see people just passing by. Some are going to classes. But it's hard to do it because the classes start at 6.30. And we're walking all over the place. But we don't, we don't open the door. We don't walk in and sit. I'm, not, I'm just telling you. Why? That's not theatrical. I hope I'm not being too forceful to you. But I'm telling you, it's not fun. We're sitting in the trenches. So, prayer is not an easy discipline. Yet, folks, it tells us in the scripture that you've got to wrap all this armor up in prayer. If If you can, with your own heart and mind, engage in corporate prayer, you'll begin to realize that there's something significant and vital that's going on in Wednesday night prayer time. You can sense it. We're transacting in kingdom business. We're battling an unseen enemy. When we pray for someone in a closed country, they've been arrested because they're preaching the gospel of Christ. They're facing imprisonment and execution possibly. When we pray for specific needs of the body or another body, a local body, we're not gathering to be entertained. We're doing warfare. So... If you can exchange or engage the heart and the mind and realize that prayer really, in a sense, is the very breath of spiritual life for our church. When I came six and a half years ago, I said, we got to pray on Wednesday nights. We have to. We have to bring back the old-time prayer meeting because it's important. It's important that we pray together as a body. So, churches that are consumed with image, And making sure everything is fun. will never be serious about the business of prayer. But we need to be. We need to be. Right? Because the enemy trembles. That's why churches that are consumed with image. And making everything fun. Will not last. They will not last. We have to be serious about the business. So the best way to resist the devil. Is with your brothers and sisters. Joined together. Praying before the throne of grace. In doing so we are engaging Principalities, the powers, in a way that no other church method or program can do. We can't manufacture a program and a methodology that's better than prayer. We just cannot do it. Okay? So we need to be committed to it. I want to challenge you, uh, by the way, this week, uh, BJ, I'm going to say your name right, BJ Chapman. <laughs> right? He sent us a text about praying for his granddaughter, and it it made me think about this. It made me think about how we need to focus on starting some small groups, not for Bible study, but solely for prayer. We we do. I I get it. We need Bible study. But what about, I want to challenge you to start some small groups praying together. Now, for some of you, you can't meet once a week or twice a week. Three or four or five people. I get that. Well, we can't come together physically, you got all this social media that's usually used for stuff we shouldn't use it for. Why not try to connect? Connect with people. If you physically can't go, get get a hold of these. BJ's request to us as elders and our staff was to pray for his granddaughter. And here's what he says. The older I get and the longer I have been a Christian, the more confidence I have And the more evidence I see that God is faithful to answer the prayers of his people. And he goes on to say, not according to our will, but according to his will and for his glory. Nothing helps us persevere in prayer. Small groups, individually, more than knowing that our God is sovereign. And many of us, I mean I've been even, I won't go into that, but here's the deal. We wonder how prayer and the will of God go in concert. How can you not read? How can you read, how can you read Romans 8, 26-28 and not come away knowing that God knows His will better than you do? He is 100% committed to His will. So how does prayer and the will of God work? It is the Word of God that helps you know the will of God. And it is the Spirit of God that helps you in the will of God when you don't know what to do. That's God Working. And in reality, it's all about Him. So how does that connect? You keep praying the will of God as the Word of God reveals it to you. And when you can't get it there and there's some gray areas, trust the Spirit of God who knows the will of God and helps you to pray it, helps you to live it. So I ask you in this evil day, let's do this. Let's let's have some small groups that are praying. We're in a battle, and we don't need to do this battle alone. Much good comes from knowing that someone else is praying for me. Somebody prayed for me that I would put on the breastplate of righteousness. That helps us, doesn't it? Somebody prayed for me that I would hold up the shield of faith. Somebody prayed for me today that I would weld the sword of the Spirit effectively and claim the very promises of God. Pray that the armor of God... Pray the armor of God specifically for people. Y'all listening? Husband, pray the armor of God for your wife. That's part of washing her with the water of the Word. Pray... The armor of God for your husband, ladies. Parents, pray the armor of God for our children. Boy, howdy, do they need it. Let's don't stop there. Kids, if you're believers, how about pray the armor for your parents? Is that a novel idea? Is it? Should we not be doing that? I don't care what your age is. If you're a believer, pray the armor for your parents. We desperately need your prayers. If you don't have time to pray every piece of the armor every day, just pray one, right? Go before your Father where you belong, right? And pray, Lord, for my husband today, I pray that he will keep that helmet of salvation tightly on his head. Help him to be saturated with what you have done for him in salvation. Help him to marinate in your saving grace. Let me tell you, folks, there's nothing better than to spend your life praising God for his grace. Right? Help him not think according to the world or to the principle of the power, prince of the power of the air. Let his mind be saturated with the helmet of salvation. Pray the armor for someone close to you. Let's all be at the altar of the Lord devoted in prayer. Let's be the kind of people who persevere in prayer in the spirit. Don't forget that our God actually ordained prayer to be a vital part of his plan in this war. Let me, let's be the kind of people that seek to thwart the devil's schemes being on our knees. And may the God of glory be exalted in all of it. Amen. All right, let's pray. Lord God, you're good to us, Father. Help us. Help us to obey, not just to preach it. Listen to it and think, wow, I love the armor of God. Lord, help us. Remind us through your spirit to be obedient to you in these areas. Lord, we won't be able to stand in prayerlessness. Lord, we can't. Help us, Lord. Help us pray without ceasing. Help us to pray varied, intense prayers. God, help me in my prayer life. Help all of us. Help us pray for all the saints, for one another. We're in this warfare together. Lord, we'd be remiss not to think about those who don't know you. And under the sound of my voice... There certainly could be people that are lost. There's only two categories of people in this world saved and lost. There's no neutral category. We're either of our Father, the Lord God, or we're of our Father, the devil. There's no in-between. Only you, Lord Jesus, can save. Only you can meet the Father's just requirements of the law. Only you could come down to this world and live obediently, 100%, without ever sinning. And the Bible says, He that knew no sin became sin for us, Lord Help someone to see clearly. Lord, it is only you that can reveal the mystery of the gospel. Only you can open eyes and hearts to see the beauty of Christ and to see the need for repentance and faith. Only you can do that. And Lord, if that's happening in someone's heart today, may you draw them to yourself through your spirit. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Let's stand together and sing together. Oh, the blood of Jesus, it washes white as snow. Oh, the blood of Jesus.
3: Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. Oh. The cross of Jesus, oh, the cross of Jesus, oh, the cross of Jesus, his death brings life to me, oh, the blood, oh, the blood. cross, and oh, the cross of Jesus, oh, the cross of Jesus, oh, the cross of Jesus,
0: it washes white as snow. As the orchestra continues to play, let's just bow our heads, pray for decisions just now.
1: Mr. Bernard yes. White, come on up here, sir. I'll have you come up first. Mr. Bernard has been coming for a long time, and he wants to stand before you today and share with you that he wants to join our church Amen. by a transfer of letter from a sister Southern Baptist church, and we want to say to God be the glory, and uh, we, we look forward to praying for you and you praying for us. Okay, I got a whole church full here. I, I need their prayers. Amen. And, and we want you to pray for us, too. God bless you. Uh I'll have, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have him go back to the back if he can and stand, and we'll greet him. God bless you, Mr. White. Thank you. Casey and Olivia Bippert, yes. and Olivia is Michael and Belinda Mason's daughter, and they're part of our church family. As a matter of fact, I saw Michael carrying the big offering plate, right? So they're wonderful servants of our church, and so... Uh, Casey and Olivia have been coming for quite some time. They've taken the new members class, and we want to stand them before you today and tell you that they're members here of First Baptist Church Ozark. All right? God be the glory. All right? I'll have you all go back to the back as well. All right. Brother David, anything we've missed? Except for tonight, the second part, and, of course, if you are providentially hindered. Don't we love that word? I was providentially hindered, preacher. That means it rained one drop, right? (laughs) You couldn't make it. But uh, no, I'm not waving the flag of legalism up here. I just want to encourage you to hear the word, right? To desire to hear the word. So tonight I'll finish up the part on praying. Hope you'll come back for that. Uh, Mother's Day. All right, guys. Talking to myself too, right? Mother's Day next Sunday, we'll do a child, baby child dedication. And we'll also preach the word, and it'll probably not be in Ephesians, all right, for next Sunday. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.